The, the subject here is the women who built Israel. And I want to talk about these women who built Israel, but basically I want to talk about two of them more than the others of them. Uh, the women who built Israel. Can you imagine when you think about Israel as a nation, Israel as a, Israel as a people, then you, you think normally about Abraham or Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. You think about all those great men of God. But I want to talk to you today about the women. Um, and we're going to talk about a woman. There are two women primarily. But one is a woman who was past her fruitful years. That is, we thought, oh, she's gone past that. And then we, uh, there's another woman who was a foreigner. We're going to talk about those two. A, a woman passed her fruitful years, as it were, and a foreigner. God used them to do something great. And we'll be talking about, they, they were from a place called Bethlehem, was the house of bread. And they had left Bethlehem because the bread had run out. You know, that you may be in a place of plenty, but, but when that plentiful stuff uh, or food or sustenance runs out, what are you going to do? It's a question there, and we'll try to answer that question. Also, uh, I would like to say that when difficulties, difficulties befall you, in this story, you and I are encouraged, don't give up. When difficulties befall you, don't give up. God can bring good out of your pain, your loss, and sorrow. Yes, God can bring good out of your pain and loss and sorrow. This is what this is designed for. I know I've seen my mom work so hard. I worked with my mom as a child. She had 10 children. I was the fifth, and I, I saw my mother work so hard, so I, I clung to her, as it were, because I thought I can help her. She works so hard. And I've, I've seen that in, in wives and women and mothers work so hard, and they sometimes are underappreciated. But they are never unappreciated because God appreciates you. Amen. Amen. Somebody might say, well, if God appreciates them, why are they under? You feel underappreciated because perhaps the man in your life is not doing his job. The man. So, so this is a good message for women, but don't, you know, the, the man in your life. And a lot of times they don't appreciate us, you, you not us, you, you. They said it one more time, you. They don't appreciate you because of what I call male ignorance. Not stupidity. We're not going to go there. But male ignorance. They just don't know what to do. Don't know how to do it. You say, but I told them. But when they heard, they heard something else. I know that. We don't always know. And that's why it behooves men to come to church, to hear the Word of God. So the Word of God will break that cement that's in your hearing. It'll break it out. Because the Word of God is like a hammer. Smashes that stuff in pieces. You know, you're not going to get better. You're not going to get better without God. Okay. Then the, the, the next thing. The Lord, well, ladies, I want you to know, the Lord is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or imagine. You'll learn that in this story. You'll learn that in this story. And your, lastly, your Father God who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
Let's go to the Word of God. Ruth chapter 1. Let's begin in verse number 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab. Um, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. That the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Well, let me read that again. This didn't seem right. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Yeah, from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab, Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So she was going to return to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Verse 7 says, Therefore she went out from the place where she was. We're speaking of a woman named Naomi. Naomi. And her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return to her mother's house. Go return to her mother's house. She said that to those, those girls. Go return to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. As you have been with my sons, you've been good to my sons, you've been good to me. Now go home to your, your mothers. Go to your mother's home. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband, that you may get married. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept and said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. Now what, what we find here, but Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Now, the, what we find here is that Naomi was a woman of God, a woman of the people of Israel, but she was looking at things naturally when she should have been looking at things spiritually. So she began to say words that were natural words or normal for an unbeliever, a non-believer, but not a believer in Yahweh. She let her condition dictate what she thought, felt. And that's always a tragedy for any woman of God, to let your conditions cause you to make a decision that is contrary to what God would want. And I would dare say that there's someone in this audience, you're wanting to make a decision that is contrary to what God thinks and what God wanted for you. Nevertheless, God is able to even bless you in spite of it. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that, that she actually discouraged Orpah. She caused Orpah to go back to her home. But the crazy thing is, she went not only back to her home, but she went back to her gods. And that is the danger 
in looking at things outwardly, looking at situations, and then determining what you should do based on that rather than the Word of God. But Ruth clung to her. Now, one might argue the point, well, if or pa. No, we don't want to go to, well, if or pa. We don't want to give anybody an opportunity or a chance to miss out on God. We might look at the story later and, and say, well, it, it was always meant for Ruth to be there. Yes, we could surmise that, but we should never be faithless because of a situation we're confronted with. Verse 15 says, and she said, look, Naomi is still in unbelief because she's not doing well. What has happened here? Her husband died, Elimelech died. Her, her two sons, Malon, M-A-H-L-O-N, Malon, and the other one. <laughs> Just in my mind. I'll get it in a minute. But they, they died. Anyway, I'll get it in a minute. So that was down in my text. But Ruth said, but Ruth said, she said, entreat me not to leave you, Chilion, Chilion, C-H-I, Chilion, uh, the two sons. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. This is what Ruth said. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Now, when it, now this is powerful. So Ruth says, no, entreat me not to leave you. If you're going to talk to me, encourage me not to leave you. Don't, don't encourage me to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. What an amazing statement. Then... Scripture says when she saw that she was determined, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, the house of bread. And it happened when they came, when they had come to Bethlehem, that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? They were glad to see her. Is this Naomi? Which means pleasant. Is this pleasant? Now, Naomi had lost her husband. Her husband had passed away. She had survived her two sons, you know, Melon and Chilion. And she says, don't call me Naomi. She's still walking in unbelief. She says, call me Mara. She renamed herself because of her condition. This is a terrible thing. Don't rename yourself because of your condition. Call on the, the living God. Believe God. You don't have to accept things as they are. But, but not accepting things as they are doesn't mean you always run away. These women are not running away. Naomi's now going home, and she's taking her daughter-in-law with her. She's going home. There's now food at home. The famine is over. And so she says, call me bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She seems like she's upset with God, doesn't she? I have been upset with God before. I'm not proud of it, but I have. And I dare say that everybody in here has had some idea of God that was not true. And if you say, I never have, I'll say, come to the altar immediately. 
you either just was totally out of it, still out of it, <laughs> just were, were not aware of it. We've all been there. She said, she goes on to testify. She says, the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. She really didn't go out full. She went out with her husband and her two sons, but there was famine in, in Bethlehem. There was a famine in Israel. So she went out looking for, for fullness, looking for something good. But it's terrible how your conditions can dictate what you think and how you comport yourself. So I'm saying to all mothers, I'm, I'm encouraging you not to look that way. I'm, I'm encouraging you to look on the bright side of things, as we'll find in just a moment. She said, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. What? Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? You know, conditions can just cause you to say the craziest things. I'm sure that, that, that you feel like saying something. I, I, can, I can just imagine some of you maybe have this loving husband, and you're, he has irritated you so much that you said, you don't love me. <laughs> I'm just talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about conditions. <laughs> I'm saying, I think so let's don't look at Naomi and say, ah, she's the only one. No. No, don't, but don't allow these conditions to do that. Don't allow them to do that. What? She, she, she's saying even God got on his own witness stand and testified against me. Oh, girl, stop it. Stop it right now. Let's look at Psalm 92. Let's look at Psalm 92. And she says, the Lord did this to me. He afflicted me. The Lord told me to tell you I do. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. No, it's not true. Let's, let's go beyond it. Psalm 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What? Those who are planted in the house of our God shall flourish, shall flourish, shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. So you may not bear babies in old age, may not. Of course, we know some women in the scriptures who have, but you are still bear fruit. The wisdom that God has given to you is fruit. You can help us be better. Yeah. Yeah. What did David say? David said, they shall be fresh and flourishing. And maybe King David had his great-grandmother Naomi in mind. Or, you know, or his grandfather Boaz. He says, oh, when they get older, they'll still be bearing fruit. They will flourish. They'll be fresh and flourishing even when they get older. Yeah, nevertheless, these two women who were planted in Bethlehem certainly are a picture of this, this, this Psalm 92. They are a picture that is Naomi and Ruth. In Ruth uh, 2.17, I wanted to say this as, as I will maybe not have time to read further. And Ruth, of course, in, in this story, let me go, to, let, let's go to, let me tell you a little bit of the story, then maybe I can do something later. Let me tell you a little bit of the story. Uh, and Naomi instructs Ruth to go out and glean. She's going to go out and glean the fields because in, in uh, harvesting, uh, they would harvest the barley. This was the barley uh, harvest. They would harvest the barley. They would gather it, and some little pieces would fall on the, on the ground and poor people could go out there and just pick up the poor pieces and they would have uh, 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 grain. That is to make, they would be able to make bread, crush it, and make bread. 
And so they, she sent it out to uh, glean in Boaz's field because he was a, a relative. He was a relative of, of uh, Elimelech. And uh, so uh, when they had left Israel, uh, uh, Bethlehem area, Beth, uh, Beth, Bethlehem Ephrata, they had left there, uh, and uh, they obviously left their land there, and one of the relatives probably purchased it, and, and, and maybe Elimelech himself. So Ruth was out there gleaning in his field, and when she came home, she had so much that Naomi said, oh, nobody can glean this much, girl. You know, that man likes you. Came home with like 30 pounds of, of, of flour, you know, grain, beaten grain, like 30 pounds. And Epha, Epha, you know, came home with it. And they said, we, I got a plan. I, I got a plan. You've caught that man's eye. So let, let's, let, let's look. And he was very, very rich too. A bit older, but, but a little rich. Let's look at verse 1. Uh, uh, let's look, look at Ruth. Uh, 4-1. Yes, go to 4-1. And, and um, yeah, Ruth had gleaned about 30 pounds of grain, a half of a bushel, enough to live on for several days. She just couldn't do that. So let's look at Ruth uh, 4-1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, a close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit here. Uh, so he came aside and sat down. What Boaz wanted to do was now he had, he had talked, to, he wanted to um, uh, redeem Ruth. He wanted to redeem the land. And so what he, he, had wanted to, he wanted to marry her. She, she had caught his attention. So God was in this all, all along. We find that although they had suffered, God was in the midst of it. He was there all along. And so when you and I suffer a bit, we don't have to worry. God's in the midst of it all along. Sometimes we think that I've got to do something because God isn't. He's in it all along. I, I remember I've told you the story. When we'd come back, we, uh, you know, we, we generously did everything. When I left my, my employment and, and wanted to start a church, we generously gave, generously did everything. And all of a sudden, it was all gone. And my wife said, well, we're going to have to trust the Lord. I remember where she was, and I said, well, he's not doing anything. That was not true. Those were my feelings. That was not true. In the midst of pain and sorrow, loss, God's doing something. That song we're saying, God is doing something right now. He's healing somebody. Why not you? And, and when I, I repented and kind of came to myself just a little bit, though, he said, I provided a job for you. So, wow. He had already done that. While I'm thinking God's not doing anything. God's testified, the Almighty has testified against me. It's not true. God's setting you up for something. Yeah. And he was doing it for her. He's doing it for you right now. Well, my situation, everybody's got something for me. No, stop inviting yourself into depression. Say the right things. Listen with that Boab. Boab took note of this girl, this young woman. And he really liked, he loved the way she carried herself. She was carrying herself not like the other young women. She was, she was carrying herself godly, in a godly way. She wasn't influenced because of the times. We, we weren't, we weren't, they weren't saying, oh, she's young, let her go out and have fun. No, she was acting like a, a holy and righteous young woman. That's what she was doing. And listen what happened. So Boaz, of course, took note of her. And let me read this very quickly. 
it says, and he, and he went to the gate so that he could meet um, the, a closer relative, a closer relative to Naomi. And he took 10 men, uh, verse 2, and he took 10 men of the, uh, of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he sat close to the, then he said to the close relative, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Limelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next to you. And he said, I will redeem it. I mean, I'll buy it back. And everybody wants to buy the land if there's no, no encumbrances, right? I'll buy it. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the field from the, he was holding that back. Good negotiator. On the day you buy from the field, uh, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself. I cannot redeem it. So he says, I'm not going to put my inheritance in jeopardy by doing that for, for Naomi. And so verse 7 says, now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are my witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was uh, Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. He says, moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. He says, you are witnesses this day. That's what he says. And so what, what in this story, you can see how God is, has been working behind the scenes. He has brought Naomi back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Now there's plenty of nourishment, plenty of food there. And he had somebody set up an old, as it were, bachelor. There's no indication he's ever been married. He's very, very wealthy and he's very nice. He's, and, and listen what happened. And he says he wants Ruth to be his wife. Verse 11. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman. Now listen to what they said. They began to speak like prophetically. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. Isn't that that's so huge? So God was setting Naomi, a person that nobody really knew about, to be listed in the category with the two women who it is attributed to who built a nation. She's talking about, call me Mara. I'm glad God never called her Mara. God kept calling her Naomi. And whatever depression you've invited yourself into, their situation could be very real. I mean, very real. It could be painful, but keep believing God. Keep believing God. Sometimes when you think, well, I've been left out, I've been denied, I don't have, God is setting you up for a later blessing. Yes, a latter day's blessing. He says, these, men, they are, these witnesses are, are speaking over um, 
over the situation. I'm so sorry. I just, I just quickly, quickly uh, I lost my thought there. Uh, they are uh, uh, speaking over Boaz, and they're saying to, to Boaz, the Lord makes the woman who is coming to you like Rachel, like Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephratha and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, who's, who, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord, let's prophesy, will give you from this young woman, Rachel, Leah, Tamar, Bathsheba, and Mary, the mother of Jesus our Lord. She brought Ruth in this. Rachel, uh, that's amazing. Leah, Tamar, Bathsheba, Mary. That's what Ruth is. Ruth is, Ruth is in this amazing group of women, a Moabitess, a foreigner, a stranger. And now she is being hailed as somebody great. Why? Because God was in this thing. Wow. Let me read a little bit more and I'll be done here today. Uh, forgive me for my eyesight. Let me read this, make this a little larger. In verse 13, let's go to 13. We'll read this. I hope this blesses your heart. It says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and, and she bore a son. She had been married to Melon for uh, almost 10 years or, or thereabout. No, no children. Sometimes you just don't know what God is doing for you. And so she, no children. She's a foreigner and no children. But, but he says, the Bible says Boaz went to her. She conceived. Then the women said to Naomi, now listen, Naomi, this is what's going on. Come on, Ruth has been brought into this family, this blessed family, and she is now in, the, in the, the ancestry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, this young Moabitess woman is in the ancestry of Lord Jesus Christ, and this is what the women said to Naomi. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, without a redeemer. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, a sustainer of life, this child would be. For you're a daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. This is what all women ought to do when you find one of your sisters in a, in a tough situation. Go and, and help her out of that complaining place where she is. Her situation may be difficult, may be dire. Maybe no male understands, but you ought to understand. All right, Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. And listen, and so she, she you know, she says, your daughter-in-law loves you who is better to you than seven boys. That's a perfect number, seven. Not just boys, seven. This girl, this young woman. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women came, they gave him rather a name saying, there is a son born in Naomi, and they called his name Obed. Obed. He is the father, listen, he is the father of Jesse. The father, Jesse, the father of David. Now, this is the genealogy of Perez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James, I think, is here. James Pettis. That's all James. I was going to say James Pettis, part of the family. But here, listen, this is so beautiful. It's because, because God had something for God had something for Ruth. God had something for Naomi. Now, listen, listen, this is amazing. Now, Naomi, 
is, a, is, a part, is going to be the great, the great grandmother of somebody special. Let's look at this. This is the genealogy of, of Pettis. Pettis begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Abinadab. Abinadab begot Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Got David, the king, came from a lineage of a foreigner. Somebody who was not accepted. Somebody by many was called a Gentile dog. David, the king, came from those people. God is able to do something as it was in the lives of Naomi and Ruth, and perhaps in your life, the ordinary things that you do every day may seem meaningless. Maybe nobody appreciates. It could be that you're a homemaker, that you feel like your life has passed you by. But as we see what happened in this story, Naomi's life, her bitterness, the bitterness in her life, the disappointments in her life turned to blessings. And her emptiness was not empty, it became fullness. She kept talking about how she was full at one time. No, she was empty, but it became fullness. And I believe God is able to do that with you. Let's don't look down on the place where God has us. Don't look down on the place where God has you, but look up to God whose invisible hand is always working. God's invisible hand is always working for us. He's working things out. He's going to work things out for you. It may look like nobody cares. Sometimes it may look like God doesn't care. But this story has a lot of deeper meaning. God cares for you. doesn't matter what has happened. God cares for you. So through your pain, your sorrow and your loss, let God provide for you.